Genre. Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast we analyze the movie Back to the Future, part three, one showdown scheduling minute at a time. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. And joining us this week, John Engel from Alien Minute. Welcome. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm glad to be back talking yeah. about it. Talking about a better movie than the last time I talked to you guys. <laughs> That's very true. Very <laughs> true. Uh, today we are going. I thought back you were about to say a better movie than the one your show's about. I'm like, I don't know if I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> today we are uh, going back to minute sixty-one of Back to the Future Part Three, which begins with Buford saying, "I'll be back this way on Monday," and ends with ZZ Top's patented guitar spin. Yep. Is yep. that the worst thing that's happened in this trilogy? The guitar spin? Yeah. Ooh, that's a, in the trilogy. That's a it's good on, question. It, it's on the list, right? Like, oh, yeah. It's like yeah. that and like the Ayatollah and Reagan fighting, right? <laughs> yeah, those are pretty that's, – that's, that's pretty up there, yeah. I think it's definitely the worst thing that's happened in this movie so far. Cool. Mm-hmm. Beating, beating out – Marty screaming everything he sees when he first appears um, in 1885. That's the only that's that's the only like beef I have with the early parts of this movie at all is horsey Indians. <laughs> Every, everything he just screams everything he sees. But, yeah. Danger. <laughs> um. Okay, so uh, right off the bat, we got. Uh, you know, Buford like, okay, let's do this thing on Monday. What time on Monday? Uh, she's like, Meet you know, high outside. noon. Like, Meet I love, I love that Marty. Marty is like, there. There's this element of Marty where he's just sort of not aware that he's in this. Like, he's, he's, he's acting. Okay, I, I, I know we want to keep this evergreen, and I hate bringing this up, but he's acting very Westworld. Yeah. He's right. he's he's kind of acting like like a guest on in Westworld right now, right? Well, he's, he's not acting like he can actually be hurt. Yeah, like he's he's treating he's treating Buford like he's not the scariest Tannen that he's ever come up against, <laughs> right? Well, that's the thing is that he's come up against uh, relatively benign Tannens up to now. That's so true. We've got two episodes in a row where they're kind of just douchebags and now we've got we've got an actual lethal tannin and and also marty's from the he's from the late night movie generation he's he thinks he's in a movie for sure i think the westworld correlations there yeah he's got that laid back 90s teen quack pack thing like (laughs) well you know he makes everything's a reference to a movie you know his Mm -hmm, name mm -hmm. is a reference to a movie star his the high noon thing clearly you know, so so everything he's doing is out of a movie, and certainly what he does in this minute is he, he falls into a, a Western hero persona for a moment, which mm-hmm. I actually find refreshing uh, compared to what we got in would have gotten in this situation in the last movie, where right. it's you're a chicken, and he says nobody calls me, you know, and that kind of lame. Yeah, that's true. I mean, we, we did it get cool. that though with the we got that with the yellow thing last week. 
Um, cause true. that's what, that's, true. that's what started this conversation about the showdown, uh, is Buford calling him Yella. Um, but, but we're getting increasingly more creative and more character driven as, as opposed mm-hmm. to this like very broad colored, oh, he doesn't Almost like, like a to be sketch. called chicken. He doesn't like to be called uh-huh. Yella. Sketch. We're actually getting like, we can actually have a conversation right now about, well, Marty does this. He Scott. says things like this cause he's seen too many movies and because he's not quite tuned into reality right now even though the reality is this ridiculous premise that he's gone back into the old west but that is reality for him and he's not realizing that right now Mm -hmm. you know part of it might be the he's he's pretty confident from uh from shooting down the the you know the little shooting game thing that uh that he uh the replication of the video game that he's so good at you know he's probably feeling pretty confident that he can take handle himself in this world so uh, yeah, there's there's reason for his machismo, for his bravado, and this more so I think in the in the second one where it just felt like, oh, let's give Marty a new wrinkle here. Yeah, there is that little flicker of fear though when Buford says noon. I do my killing before breakfast, seven o'clock, Whoa. and there's that little flicker of fear of him being like, oh, oh, he wants to kill me. <laughs> like that is he a pretty is awesome. awesome one. Like eight o'clock, oh. I do my killing after breakfast. Yeah, yeah that, it was a good. Reco- it's a good recovery for sure. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I got to tell you too, though, the way they lit the the lighting on this uh, close up on Buford is is amazing. Like, mm-hmm. I, oh yeah, I'm gonna controversially. I mean, maybe I already hinted at it, but controversially, I think this is the best Tannen. He's my. This is my favorite Tannen incarnation. He's definitely. I think the the dark. We, he's definitely the darkest Tannen yet. Yeah, I mean, we've talked a lot about Mad Dog compared to Biff and Griff. I mean, Griff is like a non-character. Yeah. Um, he's he's basically like a like a one-note sociopath. He, he's, psychopath. Biff, he's Biff on bath salts. Right. He's Biff on bath salts, and then Biff Biff is like eight different characters. Yeah, because the course Biff, of the trilogy, because like Biff horrific is also a pretty formidable character. Hmm. Um. But but. I think the more that we learn about Mad Dog, the more he feels like a legitimate character, like a, and a legitimate threat. Yep. Whereas like Biff was sort of all talk and very little action. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas Mad Dog, like Buford, he's uh, I mean, yeah, he's a little scary. Like he's scary. I- and, and, and he's, he, you can see the trajectory of like each Biff getting just like a little more softer than the one previous. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, and like kind of, kind like of we a know, weird commentary on the American male. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say that about the future, the future versions of everybody: Marty uh, Junior, Griff. Mm-hmm. There, there are one note characters because I think that's what they were trying to say we're headed for in the future. Right. Luckily, they were wrong, right, guys? Uh, luckily, <laughs> luckily, we're okay now. Um, yeah. But yeah, that uh, I think that that is kind of what's going on there. I think it's a, it's a little bit of a shrewd character arc over over family character arc, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I like it, uh, and I think yeah, he's he's scary. That what, like I was saying about the lighting of the scene, his eyes; those are like the doll's eyes, the Jaws mm-hmm. shark eyes, yeah. man. And he's he almost kind of looks like a, you can almost imagine like a Walt Disney cartoon character of him where he looks like like Pete 
because he's just covered in ash and he has those eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. But, but maybe one of those Disney cartoons that uh, you only get on those weird DVDs that are like yeah. the band. They're actually really dark. And yeah, like they're like the ones five that have yeah. the, the anti-Nazi propaganda films on them and stuff. Yeah, because yeah, he's I like represent the dark. Irish immigrant. <laughs> yeah. So, but he is, he's, he's, he's the real deal. I don't know if, uh, you know, I don't know if the conflict in Back to the Future 1 or Part 2, that whatever, it was ever really Biff anyway that was the villain of those movies. You know, I mean, obviously he's a heavy, um, he was more George's uh, uh, antagonist in Scott in once Rome. described him as an obstacle. Yeah, yeah, he's an obstacle. Yeah. Obviously, yeah. time travel is the is the true conflict, right? And, right. And, and so much so in, in Part 2 that they're just constantly scrambling around talking about it. And in this <laughs> one, it's there again. And as the week goes on, like there's something I want to say about a later minute where it's they're much more subtle about interjecting that conflict while still letting the characters be characters and act like human beings, mm-hmm. um, which is just I'll, I'll probably do a lot of comparing this movie to the to part two, because I think it's such a vast I rem- improvement. I remember yeah. reading behind the scenes or reading an interview with Christopher Nolan around the time of the Dark Knight Rises release. And they were like, so why did you include like, why, why, why is Bane the villain of the movie? And um, and he was like, well, I thought because the Joker was such a cerebral verbal villain. I wanted a, a, a villain that was just all physical threat and all formidable. Like mm-hmm. this is like a thing that Batman has to beat and he can't, you know. Right. And that's kind of the vibes I'm getting from from uh, Mad Dog is like, oh, you can't. I don't know if Marty will be able to point and say like what is that and like run and or flip you know over his car on the skateboard or hoverboard or whatever it may be yeah that's that kind of stuff's not in play this is now he's way out of his element too mm-hmm. and, you know marty he's he's overconfident right now but uh you know we he doesn't even i don't know there's more stuff about later in the week that he doesn't even know how to think ahead in this time period <laughs> you know, he doesn't understand yeah. how this time period works at all it would be and, like uh, even the first two movies, your 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 villain was played by Seth Green, and then all of a sudden in the third one, it step he steps out and it's like Walton Goggins, right? And you're like, <laughs> whoa, that's not that's not what I signed up for, man. So yeah, you guys, we were talking a little bit right before the show, and I wanted to, uh, you know, today I watched this movie. I've seen this movie a lot of times, but I, sh- I thought I should watch it at least up to the minutes. And I noticed something, and you said you guys didn't talk about this. I just wanted to throw this out there that. Whenever the the conflict, whenever the showdown between uh, uh, Buford and Doc happens, or Marty's over mm-hmm. e- eating pie, um, it, <laughs> yeah, it switches. Like a cartoon bear. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> it switches to a, a really weird POV shot, and I could be wrong. I think that's that's really unique to Back to the Future. I don't remember anything ever switching to a POV shot, shot quite like that one, and it holds for a long time. And it struck me, and this never struck me before watching this movie, but it's so close to the POV of John Wayne in uh, John Ford's The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, where, um, you know, oh man, spoiler alert for Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, but it's not Jimmy Stewart. It's John Wayne that's is The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. But you're led to believe that Jimmy Stewart did. Um, and then at the end of the movie, you see that John Wayne was waiting in the wings and is actually the one that fires the shot. So I really think that Zemeckis is is quoting that mo- that movie right here or right there uh, in the, that previous minute. 
And I just thought that would be, it's not my minute, I know, but I thought it'd be fun to point that out. Um, and yeah, I, I love I love it when filmmakers do subtle little hint. You know, it's like I, I was watching uh, Gangs in New York uh, on Scott's Amazon Prime account the other night. And, um, <laughs> and there's a scene where uh, Bill the Butcher, played by Daniel Day-Lewis, throws a knife in the air and the camera follows the swinging knife. And it was mm-hmm. meant to be composed and look just like the the shot of the bone turning yeah. into the turning into the the spaceship in Space Odyssey. That's fun. Yeah, I I think I remember that vaguely. I haven't seen that movie in years, but yeah, and just oh, like well, a fun little, so he yeah. quotes stuff all the time visually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, and I I think that's I, yeah. I mean I I think the 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 films I always hear Zemeck is talking about when he talks about this movie is oddly enough not the spaghetti westerns which are the ones that he directly references like within the context of the movie. Right. Yeah. Um. But he talked a lot about the Searchers, um, and and you know all the all the Ford movies and uh, yeah. and like Shane. I remember him talking a lot about, and I think Liberty Valance came up once or twice. Well, you know what's um, in interesting? That preliminary research, so that makes sense. It's almost like he he is expressing his love to all these westerns, but he's also aware of who his protagonist is because, like Marty's, like it almost seems like the Shanes and the Liberty Valances of it all. The John Ford era almost feels like it would belong more to George than Marty, because like mm-hmm. Marty would be the one that's been raised on spaghetti westerns, and you know. Uh, El Topo. I don't know. I don't know if Marty went to go see El Topo, but you know what I mean. Oh. Like he's from a different generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it's funny the the Shane. You know, we could talk about this more later in the week, but uh, Jameis definitely mm-hmm. makes you think the 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 McFly farm makes you think a bit of Shane. It's almost yeah. like yeah. it's kind of surprising they don't have a little kid. You know, like a little kid that talks, like that has a relationship with Marty. Marty. Like, <laughs> come back marty come back Clint. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i guess it would be. so oh speaking of the mcflies i before we end the episode i just want to say in case we don't get another chance to say it i really really love uh seamus's jacket in this scene <laughs> oh yeah it's awesome okay i'm good oh, <laughs> oh yeah um so oh and I- uh the zz okay i've been meaning to also say this for a long time um, the Z the ZZ Top like bluegrass cover of their song sounds yeah. a lot like A Million Reasons by Lady Gaga. Oh no 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 by uh, A Perfect Illusion by Lady Gaga. Mm. Scott, can okay. we play Perfect Illusion by Lady Gaga at the end of the episode? Absolutely not. Okay. Um, <laughs> but everyone else can play along at home and they can go listen to the song if they want. Um, I uh, please do. I I I want to talk about Strickland here. I mean, we talked a little, about, a little bit about him with Greg last week, but I I Marshall Strickland is interesting. So like one, the shot went off last week, and I guess it took him about a minute to get out here because he was at the he was at the gun checkpoint on the outside of the party. Yeah. So must he must have heard the gunshot and came in to investigate. Um, but. What I find weird about this guy is like this Marshall Strickland, uh, you know, something something was lost in translation because, you know, you have that scene where he's talking to his son and like, remember, yeah, remember discipline. And 
you know, we know that at any the, cost, we we know that we know that the Strickland in fifty five and eighty five is like a very d- d- disciplinarian and is like very, um, you know, into calling kids slackers and everything, and doesn't seem like a fun guy. And <laughs> sure. then, like all of a sudden, like this Strickland is just like, hey. Let's have some fun, right? Hey, everybody. Come on, everybody. It's a party. Yeah. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> but doesn't that kind of fit with what we're talking about? I mean, oh, yeah. see, as time I think... goes on, he has to become, he has to tighten the, you know, tighten it up a little bit with all these slackers. They, they're getting worse and worse That's... over the decades. I, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make a bold prediction. I think the millennial Strickland Whoever this guy, whoever Principal Strickland's grandson is, is I don't think he has any kids. I think oh I think the Strickland line ended oh, with. Oh, that's sad. With, I was going to say Principal Strickland. I was going to say a super sensitive, like out there with his emotions, like camp counselor Strickland would be amazing. <laughs> like imagine with a Strickland, kind of long like, hair and sandals. Yeah. Hey guys, and yeah, like what he like Woody Harrelson or like. Really into Dave Matthews Band. Yeah. <laughs> um, I uh, I don't I don't uh, I don't know. It's 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 interesting. It's a weird context to see a, a, a Strickland in of like telling everybody to have fun at a party. Yeah, like imagine if he did that like at the dance, like he just fired a gun in the air and he was like, "Guys, come on, damn party! Yeah. It's a party." Well, yeah. I mean, he, he's got a little touch of the showman in him, too, because his method of confronting this issue is to get on the stage and enter behind the band. Right in the middle of ZZ take, Top. Right. Make, <laughs> and he makes a show of it. You know, he doesn't just, like, get, you know, walk up to them. He he must have gone around, gone up backstage and done all this. Just He's a, he's a bit of a showman. I, <laughs> Not saying a word to anyone for explanation. Yeah. Um. Also, I want to say that uh, ZZ Top in this movie with their costumes and their and their facial hair, they look like a band of of tiny Hagrids. <laughs> a little bit, like a bunch of mini Hagrids just formed like a yeah. grass band. <laughs> um. Well, that's all I have for this minute. Um. Yeah. I'm uh, I'm excited to get it. Dig into the rest of the week, though. Yeah, I'm feeling we're gonna uh, have a lot to say. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, as always, um, if you have a lot to say, go to Facebook. Uh, we have a Facebook group there, Back to the Future Minute Listener Preservation Society. Join our other listeners and and post to ask questions and talk about things we might have missed or uh, alternative theories that you may have. Um, and uh, let us know there. It's a fun time. Uh, that's the Back to the Future Minute Listener Preservation Society. And it'll be there all week and on other weeks and all that good stuff. Uh, so go check that out, and we will back, be back tomorrow with Minute 62.